When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Gaz from Dead Blonde Styles. Check us out at deadblondestyles.com. Meanwhile, you're listening to Jay Scott on the Hook Rocks podcast, playing real music all the time. Welcome back to the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Scott. Thanks for stopping by and giving us a listen. We always appreciate when you tune in. Don't forget to write us a five-star review wherever you do podcast and wherever you do follow us, whether it's on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Uh, you can follow us on at the Hook Rocks, and we are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. So check out that as well at PantheonPodcast.com and all social media platforms at Pantheon Pods. And yeah, we've got we've had some great episodes for you since the start of the year. So don't forget to set your app to automatic download so you get the latest episode right to your phone. We started the year off with our annual album of the year episodes. And recently in February, we've had Empire on our new music spotlight, a band from the UK who's ready to release their new album on March 31st. We had Jared James Nichols on talking about his new album. And don't forget to listen to the episode with Dax and Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick, which is a great episode. Always enjoy uh, talking Cheap Trick. And to have the legend Hall of Famer Rick Nielsen on was a great um, a great moment for our podcast. So don't forget to tune in on that. And also some other episodes, too. Richie Kotzen for the new Winery Dog album. Uh Three that's out uh, February third. They're currently on tour right now, and the episode with Christy and Eagle about Ticketmaster and Live Nation and the monopoly that is the live entertainment industry and how it's structured and how it's happening and and what we can do about it and where things are at with the U.S. Senate hearing. So it's a very important episode for all music fans. So please check that out. And also our review of the Orianthi show in St. Charles, Illinois at the Arcata Theater. Great show. Must see person to see live. She's a great guitar player. Very diverse. And it was uh, a joy seeing her for the first time. And I can't wait to see her again because she was awesome. We've got 
a return guest on the latest episode. I guess it hasn't been on in a while, but she's been busy. She's been doing a lot. And we're excited about the new song. It's heavy. It's a huge step for her. And I'm really excited to talk to her about it. The song is Better Off. And the guest is Abby Kay. What's happening? How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Like I said before we got on, it's good to see you. It's good to talk with you. It's been a bit. I think you yeah. haven't been on in over no, it's been it's been less than a year, but it it's, uh, been, it's a been a while. while. Yeah. 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 This should be show number four or five with you, four I think. Four or five. Yeah. You yeah. are yeah, it's either four or five. Um there's only a, a couple of other artists I think that have been on as many as many times as you have. Yeah. So, um you are leading the pack or, or running with the pack, I should say. Yes. Um yeah, it's it's been really good lately. Yeah, you, we um we saw each other during the summer or late fall or early fall, I should say, in Chicago. You came through, you played in a, a suburban uh venue, um, had a chance to see you at Chicago Music Exchange, which was really cool. And then we all went out for pizza, and it was you, Diego, Zach, and my son, uh, Zach, who's no longer with you. Um, and we'll get into that too in a, in a little bit. But I still admire that that man who for bringing a pizza back mm-hmm. with him because we went out to a really great pizza place in Chicago, and Zach decided to take one to go because they're so good. <laughs> and I just remember telling him like. You're not, are you going to drive like all the way home with that? Cause it's like a nine hour drive. And I told him, I said, wrap it in foil and get a cooler because <laughs> you don't want to get sick. So did he do what I asked him to do or what I told him to do? No, not at all. <laughs> no, it sat up on the dash. Um, I, I think he still ate it like the next day. It was probably decent. So good for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I was nervous about that because I'm like, there's dairy in there, and you got to yeah. keep that refrigerated. Like once it gets a certain temperature, you know. Yeah. And uh, hey, you know, if he's still alive, so <laughs> I don't think it was too bad. He may have not felt good for a couple of days after that. Hopefully, his girlfriend, who he was getting the pizza for, didn't have any issues or anything like that. Yeah. So if you did and you're listening, I apologize. I tried to tell him what to do. <laughs> Um, but sometimes people just don't listen. Yep. But they live to tell about it. So it's okay. Yeah. With a little bit of scars, maybe. So, so, you know, while we're on the topic exact, before we get into the song, um, you know, he is, he decided to leave. He had some issues with his feet. Um, like most drummers do. It's a very common thing with drummers, especially if they're playing a lot. Um, where do you guys stand with, with final replacement and, and, you know, how, uh, how was that transition away from him? Um, you know what? He has really big shoes to fill. Um, not even just as a drummer, but as a person, the three of us got, got along really, really well. Just the dynamic. It was all like brother and sister. Um, and so it's been really kind of strange not having him on the road with us. Um, you know, there, I mean, 
drummers are looking for gigs all the time. We'll be able to find a drummer, but it's more so having the the extra person in the band, um, just like personality wise. Um, that's kind of where kind of sucks not having him. Um, of course, we respect his decision a lot because he's out of drums completely for six to eight months. Um, and obviously, you know, you take care of yourself first. And so I think he's making a really good choice to step away from music for a little bit to to heal and come back stronger. But I know that he's struggling because like most creatives, like that's his outlet, playing drums, playing music. That is how he survives, basically. And so I know if I had bass singing vocals all of that taken away from me I would be struggling so I know he's going through a hard time so we're still thinking about him still talking to him every week making sure he's doing okay yeah I mean you guys really became a family especially you know touring as much as you did and playing as many gigs as you did last year Um, you know it's hard not to get close with each other when you're in close quarters and you're playing and you're and you're you know traveling from town to town each night and you know when someone's removed from that situation because of something that they can't control it's got to be a difficult thing to handle yeah um it's it's definitely weird not having him um but we are moving on moving forward um We've been trying out a couple drummers for the shows that we do have booked. Um, so far, it's been going pretty good. Um, we're not really sure what direction we're going to take it, if we're going to get like another permanent drummer or kind of just a hired gun kind of thing. Um, Diego and I are still kind of working out the details and what we think would be best. So as far as last year, you know, playing, you know, in different towns and, and venues across, you know, the, the country, basically, it really kind of started with the Nita Strauss shows that you did in the last quarter of 2021. Yes. And then you re- you did another leg with her and then you went out on your own that was really the kind of first extensive amount of touring that you, that you did, you know, I mean, or other shows that you did prior to that, but really kind of going from city to city, coast to coast, um, seeing a lot of different places, playing in a lot of different, uh, different towns, obviously. What, what was that like for you to kind of embark on that? Um, honestly, for me, I've always like dreamed of doing this. And I am a very, like, detailed person. So the past five years, I've thought about touring every single second of my day. And so I knew, like, exactly how I wanted to be. I'm a very, like, scheduled, everything is in its place kind of person. So my transition to touring and living on the road in a van, basically, was pretty easy because I already thought of like every single thing that could happen. Um, I overthink everything. So every scenario that could go wrong, I already know what's going to happen. I know how to fix it. Like I am prepared. Um, So I've been, I've been working on like, you know, 
what I wanted to do like on the road for five years now. And it's just been the past year and a half. Um, I think for the boys, it's more, they're more go with the flow. I'm not, I'm a little bit more intense, I think. (laughs) So I think for them, especially Diego, I know he talks a lot about the first tour. We made money and he ended up not making money because you know, you're going to a new city and it's exciting. Ooh, let's try Whataburger. Let's try In-N-Out. Let's go to Bucky's. And I think he learned really quick that you still have to like budget on the road. And um, so since then, he's he's really changed his eating habits on the road where he like will pack food. Oh my gosh, it gets on my nerves so much. It's so annoying. He has this ginormous cooler that just sits in the van has like bread and meat in it it's so annoying but i get it It just gets on my nerves so much what's wrong with the cooler i mean he's trying to be economical he's trying to live within the budget he's trying to know but it's it's in my way like it's a ginormous (laughs) cooler and it is not a big van you've seen our van it's it's tight quarters around there and it's just it's in my way and then I'll like step on it to get into my bunk and he'll be like, don't step on my cooler. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, you know, bands have certain dynamics and, you know, the cooler can be, you know, a reason for to come together or to grow more apart, I guess, you know. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be the thing, the cooler. If we like get in a fight and break up, it's going to be because of the cooler. Good to know. Duly noted. Duly noted. So I, when, when I see Diego again, I'll ask him how the, the cooler tension is going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What did you learn by going, playing all these places for the first time in touring as you've wanted to do? What was some of the things that like you didn't expect? And what were some of the things that you were pleasantly surprised about? Um, I didn't expect to always be tired. Like, I am always freaking tired on the road because even though you're only working, like, I guess the artist, I mean, you put on, we put on up to a four-hour show. So, I mean, it's not like you're working a nine-to-five, eight hours, but, like, the amount of energy that you're exerting in those four hours is insane and then you have to load out and you have to talk to people and you really have to be on all the time um and then you get in the van and you're ready to oh my gosh okay let's go to sleep and then you have an eight hour drive so it's very exhausting not gonna lie um you never really get to sleep and when you do sleep it's like for two hours and then all right hey can you drive again I don't really feel like driving right now so um that is definitely something that I was not expecting um especially as like the artist but we're at that level that we can't hire a driver to drive um can't really be a diva so um everyone's got to pull their weight at this point but I would say the thing that I was like, I don't know. I guess I really have thought out a lot of aspects about touring, especially in my overthinking days that what if the van 
dies, which happens a lot. But I didn't really think about, like, the food aspect. Like, I'm not like Diego. I don't pack my food. I enjoy food on the road. And it is so freaking good. Like, just getting to go everywhere and eating all this different food. It's so good. We have a running list. We have a spreadsheet in our, like, band folder of all our favorite places to eat on the road. So that was my idea, of course. I am a spreadsheet kind of gal. But, yeah, the food on the road, that was definitely something that I had never really thought about. Definitely life-changing. As far as spreadsheets go, um, my co-host for the Album of the Year episode, Chris Corradetti, is a Mm -hmm. big spreadsheet guy. I mean, every album that we talk about at the end of those episodes is put into a spreadsheet and every album that comes out during the year is put into a spreadsheet. Uh, He's way more organized than I am. I don't have any spreadsheets whatsoever. Uh, (laughs) I, you know, and that's why there's a lot of times I forget even who I've had on the podcast, you know, because I don't have a spreadsheet, but um, maybe next time when you're on, I can have you talk with him about, your love for spreadsheets and and uh kind of like a how-to yes i i am so organized i am so ocd it's not even funny um (laughs) i have a spreadsheet for literally everything and anytime i'm also our tour manager which makes sense because i don't want to say i'm bossy i just i'm very organized and on top of things and I just, I get shit done, not going to lie. Um, so the boys will come to me and be like, hey, what time are we leaving? And I'll be like, check the tour app. It's in there. Um, so, yeah, I'm, <laughs> you know what? Everyone has their thing. At least I'm like, I'll, I'll drive the van. No problem. But I'm also going to be slightly annoying about, like, organization and coolers. Well, someone really needs to do that in a band. I, I've spoke often about no longer, you know, are you just a, a, an artist who plays music? You have to do a lot of different things. You got to wear a lot of different hats. Yes. And whether that's organizing a tour, whether it's kind of making sure you're on time to places, running social media, handling mm-hmm. merch, um, you have to wear a lot of different hats when you're in an independent band these days. Um, it's really kind of indicative of the industry because, you know, rock artists don't, it's well, new independent emerging rock artists don't really get paid a lot, not as much as people think they do to play places. And, and you have rising costs of inflation and you have gas prices that are, you know, high right now. And they were higher over the summer, but they've come down a little bit, but they're still high. Um, mm-hmm. You got to factor in all that. And you know, money only goes so far these days and you can't afford, like you said, to pay a driver. You can't afford to have a tour manager at this point, you know, so everything's done in house and, you know, spreadsheets lead the way, so to speak. Um, and you know, it's, it's good that you guys recognize that that's, that's a, it's a very important thing. Cause that's where it really, where a lot of tension can come through if people don't really understand their roles or aren't mm-hmm. comfortable in those additional roles. And, and it can be stressful within a band dynamic. Yeah. Um, and I think with me and Diego, I mean, we live together. We tour together. He is my best friend in the whole world. 
Um, so we have a really good relationship to be able to all tell him, hey, dude, I need you to do this for me. Um, and then he'll say, okay, you're stupid. But like, he'll get it done. We have like, I don't know. It's just, we have such a good relationship that he can take that and then get it done. And then we still joke about it and stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of more of the the business mastermind. I do all the business side. And then Diego, he's really good with the video editing, stuff like that. So um, he's in charge of a lot of our content and our music videos. He's actually done our last two. Um, and he's really, really good at it. I don't know why we haven't been like focusing more on this all along. Like his dad is a professional photographer out in L.A., and we didn't realize, like, I guess growing up, he just kind of picked up on that talent. So we've been using that a lot more lately. So it's it's very nice to have him help out with some things, too. What's it like being in that grind that a young rock band has to do these days? You know, I, I, several young artists have come on here and talked about living in that grind and embracing it. And also struggling with it at the same time. What's it like for you? Um, Honestly, it is so hard. It's like, especially like being self-employed itself. You're your own boss. And yeah, you have work to do, but you don't really have anyone telling you to do that work. Yeah, you need to send emails. You need to send your new song to radio stations, but you really don't have to. And so it's a lot of, self-discipline um even when you're not motivated and that honestly is really hard for me I think I used to be really disciplined and then over COVID I think I just got lazy and now I can send emails tomorrow and I keep putting things off so it really is hard you have to you always have something to do but you never really have to do it so it's a lot of like accountability. It is it is hard being self-employed and working for yourself. You know, one of the things that I noticed about you and, and Diego and, and the band is what's interesting. And I think you guys are a great example of this is that you have to live in the modern day, the modern age of technology with content and uploading stuff and keeping people interested and in, in growing your audience that way. And then you also have to do the primitive grind of going city to city, you know, building your audience one by one, one place at a time. So it's really kind of interesting how those two kind of generational um, avenues kind of kind of cross into each other um, yeah. out of necessity. Because, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of bands today don't tour as much as I think they should. You know, there's a lot of new bands that release new material and play a handful of shows a year and rely on content to build their audience. Mm-hmm. I think there's, you know, that you can do that. Um, however, I do believe that the old way still is the best way because when you tour and you go town to town, you're building more of a connection with mm-hmm. an audience. You know, I had, I had Robert John from Robert John and the wreck on and you know, he he says they'll play anywhere, you know, yeah. and, and if we do well, we'll go back to that place and keep growing that one market 
that mm-hmm. is is good to us and just keep you know pounding that pounding the pavement and you know you're kind of the same way where you know you'll play anywhere you'll you'll play any show and you're building that connection how do you balance and in, in, in which avenue do you prefer to do uh honestly i think it depends on the day because sometimes you'll play a live show and I'll be very transparent. Like if we go to North Carolina, we have a, a great live show. And then last week we went to Memphis and that was extremely humbling. We don't have a following in Memphis yet. Um, and that's the thing. You go back to the cities and you build and build and build and build. We've only played Memphis once. So um, last week when we had that show, 1000% would rather do content and grow that because it was just really difficult, you know, putting your heart out there and then you have two people show up. Um, but then you have the really good shows and I'm like, this is awesome. Nothing beats live music. You can put everything out onto TikTok, onto Instagram, online, and you can grow your fan base, but I feel like someone, okay, let's say if I find a musician on TikTok and I love them, okay, that's great, but I'm not going to love them at the full capacity until I see them live. And so I think it is finding a balance of you want to let people know about you online and reach more people online, but you lock them in when you go and play live for them. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner. And Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. 
Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. The new song, Better Off, is out on the 24th of February. As I mentioned at the beginning of the of the show, it's it's very heavy compared to some of the stuff that you've released early earlier in your career and some of the songs that you've done. This is kind of like a new direction. And I know you've talked about going in this direction for some time. Um, What was the decision to kind of go from more of what you've been doing in the past into kind of this more heavier tone, heavier style? Um, I think honestly, early on, I was really influenced by other people to kind of change what I was. I mean, I started when I was still in high school. And so I was, you know, it should have been me, my first single. That's a pop song at the end of the day. It is. Um, And I just, I think I wanted to fit in a little bit more with my peers and like people my age. And then I think more recently, like, I don't give a crap if people like me or not. I mean, obviously it would be nice if people like my music and like who I am, but I just want to do what I know that I was made to do. And that is hard hitting rock music. Like that is what I want to do. That's what I've always wanted to do. So I think I'm just not afraid to put it out there now. Um, And I've grown a lot and I'm just so excited. Like I've had this song I've just been sitting on it for so long and now we're finally going to be releasing it. It's very exciting. Sitting on a song like this that you're excited about, how difficult is that? Um, it's so hard because we recorded this almost two years ago, actually. Um, we went to Nashville for the first time. It was the same session that we recorded dodging a bullet i swear and because of you with troy laqueta brian gamboa and jeff kersey it was an amazing session with those three guys um and so better off was kind of the one that we were like this doesn't really fit in yet this is kind of where we want to go in the future but i don't think we're there yet so we've been kind of just sitting on it for two years and now with the album coming out soon we feel like this is the the best way to kind of lead into that and bridge into where to to where we're going you mentioned putting an album out you've been more or less a singles artist here for the last couple of years and now you're ready to embark on a, on a full-length release what's what was the decision to kind of go into this and do an album versus doing more singles Honestly, going to be very transparent again here. I don't think we should do an album at this point. Um, I think people's attention spans have gone really way far down. And if you release a single every four to six weeks, everyone's attention is going to be on that one song. And on the album, I feel like there's going to be songs that are forgotten about. And that scares me because all of these songs are like a piece of me. Um, I love them all so much. So I am kind of scared to put out an album, but I know it's what we need to do. 
Um, we also did a Kickstarter last year. We were fully funded, so we do need to put out an album this year. Um, hopefully, hopefully I'm wrong. If everyone wants to prove me wrong, that would be great if our album is, you know, really successful. But it is terrifying because this is a singles world. Everyone puts out singles. That's the thing to do now. So I think it's a little bit risky putting out an album. And it's slightly terrifying, but we'll see what happens. Why do you feel like you had to put out the album? I feel like when we decided to do it a year and a half ago, I think I just felt like that was the best direction to go in. It's kind of like a rite of passage, getting your first album out. And then, of course, we did the Kickstarter. We got it overfunded. Um, and so now we're kind of locked into doing the album. But I also have a year and a half more business experience and knowledge. Um, again, I'm very, very business focused. I do a lot of research. I'm pretty on top of business. And now with what I know, if I had to decide today, do we do an album? I would say no. Um, because at the end of the day, it is a singles world. Um, do I like that it's that way? No, I wish it was like the eighties and you put out an album and it does amazing, but it's not that anymore. So if I had to decide today, I don't think I would do a full length album. I would do every four to six weeks, put out a new single. Cause I think that's what, that's what's doing good right now in 2023 is singles. So but a year and a half ago, we made the decision and we're locked into it. So we got an album coming. Is when you when you do an album, you have that session, you record all these songs versus doing a single. Is there a different sense of accomplishment for you? You know, doing one song or doing a couple of songs in a session versus writing a full length album. What are the differences in terms of creating? Oh, I don't know. For me, honestly, when I'm just focusing on one song, my world revolves around that one song. And I think with the album, it kind of takes away some of the passion per song. And it's more, okay, well, we already have a ballad. We need to write this to fit the album. And when I'm writing, I don't want to write to fit a specific anything. I just want to write and let whatever happens happen um so it it definitely was kind of interesting going from every song having like my full attention to now okay well I'm gonna have 12 songs and this one is already doing this so I need this one to do something different um it it was kind of weird like I don't know with singles you don't really think well, this one was just in the key of E minor, so my next one can't be in the key of E minor because it's six weeks apart. But this one is going to be five seconds apart. So it's just weird things that I hadn't really thought of before. Can't have songs back to back that are in the same key, same like energy, tempo. Like it's kind of weird. As far as this song goes, is this really the direction that you want to go in? Absolutely. 100%. I feel like the first couple, I don't, I really don't feel like that was what I wanted to do, who I am. And now I feel like I'm 
really doing everything that basically everything that I want to do. Um, I've always wanted to be going in this direction with the, the hard, heavy, hard rock music. Um, definitely heavier than we've done before. Like I, I always say that we're influenced by Hailstorm and Diamante. And honestly, I feel like we're even starting to go a little bit heavier than that. So I guess I need to find more influences to say in like interviews. Like, who do you sound like? I don't know. Um, but I, I think we're kind of going in our own direction, which I like. Well, I think it's important for a new artist to kind of go in their own direction, right? I mean, you know, some of the knocks on on new emerging bands is they sound too much like the previous generations. And I and I think that's okay. I don't think that's a necessarily a bad thing because you know, if you are influenced by something, it's going to come out in the music. Mm-hmm. I do feel though that one of the dangers that a, an artist can get into is become trapped in that influence and become comfort comfortable in that influence and then only become that yeah. um, and, and, and really not evolve. Mm-hmm. You're young enough in your career where you're still evolving as a musician and you're still evolving as a person. So as you grow in both those areas, you're going to do different things musically. And I think, more artists and more emerging artists should embrace that evolution instead of trying to, you know, appease fans or people or, or trying to capture a certain demographic of audience. Um, I think it's just important for artists to kind of do their own thing. Definitely. Um, and yeah, we're not, we're not getting stuck in one thing. And I think that's also okay because I am still young. Um, obviously, if I'm 40 years old and we have a huge fan base and then we release something completely out of left field, everyone's going to freak out and not necessarily be okay with that. But I think I'm still in the green that I can still kind of experiment and figure out what works best for us and what we like to write and release. Is this song indicative of what the album is going to sound like yes definitely um i think some of the songs on the album are even heavier this is kind of like bridging us into that um better off is a little bit heavier than what i've done before and then the album is going to be kind of like the second step up how have you grown in terms of allowing yourself to collaborate with others you know when you first started doing this this was you this was your music this was what you wanted to put out and then you started getting band members and and working with different people and you know now that you kind of have Diego at your Mm -hmm. side and, and and creating with him how has that changed and what has that brought into you know, with you in terms of your evolution of of an artist and as someone who creates? It's been amazing because honestly, this is all the music that I want to write and put out and release. And before I write all of my own songs, 100% by myself, I don't know how to play 
heavy metal guitar. I know how to play singer-songwriter pop guitar. So I think that really came out, and it should have been me. I didn't know how to get my ideas across to the guitarist, to what I really wanted on that song. Because I, I, I wasn't experienced. I didn't know how to play it myself. And now with Diego, especially because we're so close, I can just say, here's the vibe I'm going for. And he'll say, okay, this is what you want. And he'll play something. And I'm like, yes, exactly. So it's definitely been helpful having him along. Um, he just kind of gets what I'm going for and kind of brings those ideas to life better than I could ever do myself. So very, very thankful to have him on my side. Where does his influence come from? Where does his direction come from that is, it helps you unlock this music that you're doing now? So I think a lot of his talent comes from like the early thrash, like the Metallica, Pantera, like their thrash eras. Um, that's where he got all of his speed playing. Um, and I think that's like kind of what got him into guitar. And then more recently, he gets into like Dream Theater and Trivium and stuff like that. And I think that really helps modernize what he's playing. So he has like, you know, his roots and then he kind of just puts all these modern touches on it. And I think it sounds really good for what we're trying to do. Now you guys work with Troy from Tesla in the production of this album. Um, For three of the songs. Yes. We kind of had like a, a mix matched kind of production team on this um, because we are, very low budget at this point in our career. So we had to go with a lot of different people, a lot of different resources, um, basically just doing what we can to get the best product out there while still being able to put food on our table. You know, one of the things that impresses me about you is your grasp and your knowledge of the business. And I know you're still learning new things every day. Um, but when you think of all these things that you're able to know and put in place and 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 help you decide what direction to go in terms of the grind, in terms of recording music, what you know, how how is that for you? I mean, being you're basically an artist and you're also a manager too at the same time. Yeah. Um, obviously, creating music is is your passion. That's what you want to do, but you kind of picked up on music management and the importance of knowing that stuff. Yeah. Um, I feel like music itself is 10% of a musician's career. And it's unfortunate because that's what I love. That's what I want to do. I want to just create all the time. But at the end of the day, I'm in the business industry. And I, I mean, I got signed at 16 and I was thrown into meetings with six-year-old men. So I had to learn really, really quick um, what I was doing and how to stand my ground and how to really keep up in this industry. And I, I think, honestly, that was really good for me to be just kind of thrown into it because I didn't have time to mess up or do the wrong thing. I just had to figure it out really quick. And I think that's definitely helped long-term. Um 
that I am so young and I kind of, I, I am, I'm proud of my business knowledge. I am, I am a businesswoman at heart. I, I, I got it. And of course, like it would be nice to just create all the time, but that's not how it works anymore. I think of that lyric on the new Tyler Bryant album. If you don't sell yourself, you're going to be sold by somebody else. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with you starting this business at a very young age, unfortunately there are people in this business that prey on ignorance, that prey on young people not being as experienced as they are. And a lot of artists fall victim to that. And it's, it's a horrible thing because I've, you know, heard the horror stories too of creating music and then not being able to release it or not getting the money that you were promised or, you know, the famous quote or the well-known quote, well, we'll take care of that on the back end, even though there's nothing about the back end in a record contract. Um, it, It really is something that unfortunately exists. And if you have the knowledge like you do, you stay ahead of the game and and you know what to look for and what not to look for. Yep. And I think also, and this is actually what better off is kind of about, like no one will work harder for you than yourself. You're so much better off just putting yourself out there and doing everything independent Um, at at this point, obviously. Um, And it is hard because I were completely self-funded. We're, all in-house and so we're competing with all of these other bands that have labels backing them and management and have all of these big time connections so it's kind of like when you're independent you're working like three times as hard just because you don't have the funds coming in from a label and you don't have the connections coming in from a manager like I don't know I feel like you're kind of maybe at a disadvantage that way but Also, like I said, no one will work harder for you than yourself. And you have 100% control over your life and your career. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is you're you're not owned by anybody. Right. You you can do, you have the freedom to do what you want. Not Mm -hmm. to bring him up again, but when I talk with Tyler Bryant, his latest album was put out independently. And he seemed very excited about being able to put music out whenever he wants to put music out. He doesn't have to wait for the label to okay it or the label to schedule it. They want to put a song out. They can put it out whenever they want. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think that's definitely something that I've seen on TikTok recently. People that have a label, they'll like, you know, post clips of their song and they'll say on TikTok, my label won't let me release this until it blows up on TikTok. And I just think like at this point in my career, I'm so glad that I'm not in that position because blowing up on TikTok for me, non-existent. My TikToks get like 300 views and I call it a day. And even then I'm like, dang, I got 300 views on this, but they're wanting like millions of views on these before they even like consider scheduling it to be released. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like that's that's something that I'm glad that I'm not a part of at this point. Yeah, that's an interesting thing that you bring up because when you think about it, they they're not gonna release it unless a song blows up on TikTok. 
so you got to do all the work to get the, to get it out there. And then once it's out there and let's say it does blow up, you put all that time into doing that. And then they go, okay, well, this is no longer a risk. We're going to put it out. So you're yeah. doing all the work, even though they're st- they're supposed to manage you, they're supposed to do all these things when they're not really doing that to help you. And again, you know, if, if it doesn't blow up, they don't put it out. That's why everyone I talk to who I, I shouldn't say I've talked to everyone who's done this show about TikTok, but when we talk about TikTok or when I talk about TikTok with other artists, it's the same thing. They hate TikTok. They think Mm -hmm. TikTok is ruining the music business because of how labels and management companies view it. And you're getting people that, you know, do covers of songs, getting record deals, even though they're not creating anything original, they're not doing anything. And, and it's, it's kind of a shameful process when you think about it, because it takes all the, all the belief and hope and the the foresight, the vision of a record label away. It used to be yeah. where if a record label believed in an artist, they would sign that artist and they would nurture that artist and hopefully they would blow up. Mm-hmm. Now they want the artist to already blowing up to sign them. So these people that do these guitar covers, right? It's great that they can play Eruption and, and it takes talent to do that. It does. I'm not going to take away with that, but they're not writing their own music. So these mm-hmm. influencers, as they call it, sign to these record labels, and then they bring in a team of writers. They'll never play live. Yeah. Um, and they'll make money off of them. Mm-hmm. It's totally, it's totally the, it's killing creativity, in my opinion. Um, or it's killing the grind or it's killing the, the emerging rock scene is more important than when I see people repost TikTok videos, I just kind of, you know, they don't understand, I think, the ramifications that it's having on artists like yourself and other new bands that are out there. Absolutely. And I do agree that the music industry, creativity is dead. Everything is formulated. Everything is like a strategy now. It's all like, OK, what can I do to go viral? What can I do? What lyrics can I write? What sounds can I put onto this song to make it blow up? Like creativity is not thriving right now um and that's sad because like us musicians like that's what we do we are creatives that is like our outlet of everything that is how we live like I live and breathe not just music but being creative Mm -hmm. and so it is hard that that's kind of being taken away from us um and everything right now is really just formulated what's gonna blow up what's not it it's weird it is i know people make the argument that it's allowing people that would never be heard to be heard and maybe there is a a, a sliver of truth in that mm-hmm. but i think it's more like you just said it's killing creativity i mean being able to master a song on guitar that's already been written is great, right? I mean, it's it's entertaining, but to take it to the level of them becoming artists on record labels when they've mm-hmm. never played out live, they've never written their own music, they've never created, as you just spoke of, yeah. I think a lot of times when people get excited about something, 
it gets ruined by things like that. It, it, they find a way to make it easier. Record labels find a way to make it easier for them to find a product that is already, it already has a developed audience. There's mm-hmm. no risk anymore for the record labels. There really isn't because the yeah. risk is all on independent artists like yourself that are making music and doing the grinding, creating. And, you know, it's just, I guess, I guess it's just the way of, the how how it works now how how the business works like you said creativity is is stifled everything is based on an algorithm and mm-hmm. you know it, i don't see an end in sight but what makes me happy and what makes me excited is artists like yourselves that you know we support here on the hook rocks creating and making music because even though maybe the audience is diminished there's still a, a viable audience i think for it yeah absolutely um, yeah, and I mean, people like you, that is, that is the reason that we're able to do this. Um, you know, not everyone supports young emerging independent bands. And so the people that do, um, we're very, very thankful for, um, yeah. What's next after this comes out? When's, is there another single? When's the album come out? Um, the album will hopefully come out in April, May, in that range. Um, and actually, in a, a few weeks, we're about to announce a really big tour. Um, we have partnered with a booking agent for the first time ever, Beyond Agency. They are amazing. We love them. And we're going out on tour with Wild Street all the way out to L.A., all the way back. We're playing three or four states that we've never been to. We are so excited. You coming back to Chicago? No, not yet. Chicago Music Exchange is calling your name. Oh, I know. Oh my gosh. That was so much fun. That pizza that I would go back to Chicago just for that pizza. Not going to lie. Um, but yeah, we're, we're announcing quite a few dates. Um, as soon as I get the green light to announce, uh, you'll be the first one to know, of course, but we're very excited. Um, our touring last year, we did a lot of shows, but it was really weird because it was all self-booked. So it was it was just weird. It was all scattered around a couple one-offs um, in this one. It's like a full tour, and we're very excited for that. That's awesome. That's great. Will there be another single out before the album, or is this um, kind of the prelude? before the release hopefully um the album we're still kind of in like the finishing touches of it more in the like production side mixing mastering stuff like that if we can get that done and finalized in short time hopefully we'll have the album out soon um and we won't need to put another single out but you know this is our first time doing this everything that could possibly go wrong has gone wrong so, <laughs> I mean, we're we're just not used to doing this. We don't really know. We're still in the trial and error kind of phase. So if it gets pushed back, we'll probably drop another single um, just so we don't go kind of radio silent for a little bit. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, Abby, looking forward to it and appreciate you coming on and talking about the new single. The new single, Better Off, out February 24th. Can't wait to uh, see what happens. It's a I, for those that 
have heard her previous music. This is a lot different, it's a lot heavier, and I think uh, a lot of you will enjoy it. You know, it's very like uh, like Abby said. You know, hailstorm. There's different. Uh, there's I mean, Diego shreds on this on that solo. Um, yes. The song is is really really cool, and I think everyone's going to enjoy it. Yeah, thank you. That's Abby K. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Me podcast. Don't forget to pre-save the new single, Better Off, everywhere where you stream. Whether we like streaming services or not, we uh, we do support artists, and that really does help new artists get into an algorithm, get into the game of algorithms on these streaming services. So it benefits them. It helps them. So all you got to do is click the link on Abby K's social media pages and website, and you can pre-save it. And... You can make everyone happy. So go do that. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Take care of each other. We will talk soon. Take care. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.